if you're not an optimist, you don't do entrepreneurship anyway. Hi, it's Ronit. And with my partner in crime, Gaurav, we're delighted to host our guest for today. Alpa, greeting. Hi, Rohit, and, and, and hi, Gaurav, how are you? Alpa, I believe you're in sunny, steamy, hot Dubai today, right? 43 degrees, feels like 50. Yes, exactly. And uh, I really don't want to see any more pictures of people in Mykonos, uh, my friends just partying in EG in some place. Hopefully I'll join them soon. Uh, there's always that. I, when you're an entrepreneur, the good thing is, uh, the bad thing is you have to work through the summer. The, mm-hmm. the good thing is you can give yourself vacation next week. Sorry, Alper, I just don't know which entrepreneurs are in, in Mykonos right now. You're probably talking about all your VC buddies. <laughs> there's quite a bit of truth to that actually there's quite a bit of truth to that it's amazing how like you know we have to spend no money be very frugal and go cash flow positive but we get those messages from very fancy places around the world anyway that's probably another conversation (laughs) i love my vc friends i love my i love my vc (laughs) right so (laughs) we all do brother don't worry we all do yeah i mean are you a VC if you haven't spent the whole summer in Ibiza or Mykonos? I mean, with 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 some shoe brand that I don't know about, so that you're wearing <laughs> some shoe, some funky glasses that I don't know about. So um, yeah, let <laughs> <laughs> me so there's probably more true about our US VC friends than our local VC friends here. There are a lot of. Um, I'm I'm recording this uh, from Prague today, and it is amazing how many not Ibiza or Mykonos, but it is amazing how many Americans there are in high-end places in Europe this summer. I don't know if it was always the case, but um, the U.S. is over in force in big numbers. Um, but we're not here to talk about. European holidays. We're going to talk about Dubai and building the UAE as a center for VC entrepreneurship and all other good things. And Alpha, tell us a little bit. I mean, obviously, Gaurav knows you very well, but for the folks listening to this who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, how long have you spent in Dubai? Why Dubai? So, uh, I guess quickly in a few chapters. Uh, the first chapter. I was born in Turkey, so I'm, I'm Turkish. And until I was, what, 14 years old, lived there. I was a ultra geek in high school. So I got a scholarship and went to the US and really liked it. You know, I imagine this 14-year-old kid, I was about this tall, about the same size head, right? Uh, ultra nerd. And I landed in Atlanta, Georgia, and suddenly there are no parents and there's this amazing mm-hmm. opportunities of hobbies and things to learn and things to do. Um, so I really loved the U.S. and that experience and, you know, stayed there for about 20 years. I uh, became a citizen. I studied engineering and uh, got my master's in electrical engineering as well. I'm a microwave engineer by training. So um, I designed really awesome gadgets to send to space and, or looking down from space to Earth for um, NASA, for, you know, the defense contractors, etc. And the first, you know, chapter of my career. Then I realized that the people in the front office were making a lot of decisions that were affecting me and I wasn't getting all the glory nor the money, right? Um, so I got an MBA um, and um, I still didn't know what I wanted to do next. So I went into consulting. I joined McKinsey and I first joined in New York City, but quickly transferred to Europe. And from Europe, I was in, I was based in Helsinki and um, it was very cold and dark for my Mediterranean soul. So the, the brain was American, but the soul was still Mediterranean. And mm. you know, the Helsinki winters were just too cold and dark. And I started taking projects here in the Middle East. And um, this was like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And I helped start Zane in Saudi as public information house. So much time has, has passed. And that was quite eye-opening, right? I was a telco expert and because of my microwave engineering background, and here was this G20 country, the only G20 country that didn't have a third operator, 
and I was at the you know that launch state of that operator. It was a lot of fun. I really loved the Middle East. Um, there's an adventure in me, I think. And um, then yeah, moved here um, to Dubai with the family, but you know kept on traveling back and forth, you know Saudi and the rest of the region, and quit consulting, start my own consultancy. And over time, as we made money, we started making angel investments here and there. And until we ran out of things to invest in, this is like 2010, 2011, 2012. There's, I think, only our friends at MEVP and Wanda. That was it. And so when we ran out of things to invest, we started building things. We had no idea what we were doing. Looking back, you know, we thought we were smart because I was an ex-McKinsey guy and I was an engineer. I can build anything. But... Um, this was, you know, early teens in Saudi and um, built foodsati.com, which was Groupon clone back in the high flying days of Groupon. Built Aquati, which became Food on Click, which became Talabat in Saudi. I was the founder of that. We exited that in less than two years to Delivery Hero. Built Mondo Taxi, which was a Korean competitor in Saudi. Only in taxis, we, we pivoted that to Africa and exited that in Africa. And we built... Um, something that we, at the time was called Commit to Right Protection, a cell phone insurance business, a new rendition of that is Vention, uh, which is a, um, a global venture portfolio company that I built with Ritesh, my partner, right? And this kind of tries and connects us to the last chapter. Once I had these exits and I was thinking what to do next, um, Ritesh and I had built, built, built this business and really got along and became brothers. That, that happens when you live in the same house for nine months and sell it together. Right. And um, we were looking at what to do next. And we both had the thesis that somehow startups should be easier in this region, not, not only in this region, but definitely also in this region. And there should be a, a better way of building them. And we fashioned together a holding company that would provide services from the center and, you know, would fundraise and invest from its balance sheet and then provide technology, marketing, um, admin, uh, HR, et cetera from the center to increase the chance of success. And that's how Enhance came to life. Uh, we are a venture studio. Um, I guess we're the pioneer. Um, I'd be proud to say that more if it wasn't so painful a journey in the beginning, uh, right? Uh, but yeah, we are the pioneer venture studio here. We didn't know we were a venture studio when we first started. We, we called ourselves a digital holding company. And we said, hey, if math can do it, if Alpatam or Olayan can do it in the offline world, can we not do the same model, you know, and increase the chance of success for the next venture by doing things, you know, centrally and injecting like this know-how and expertise and the network that we had. And then over time, we realized that, okay, Enhance is not alone. Of course, like we had heard about Rocket Internet, et cetera. And we started looking around and there's the startup studio thing or venture studio thing or startup factory thing or venture builder thing that people are using interchangeably around the world. And yeah, we started meeting some of them and um, yeah, the rest is history. Then we realized, okay, we're the thing and we start getting better at that. Today enhances, you know, that venture studio, we have eight portfolio companies now. We're just, you know, we're just getting started, you know, seven years in. And we build ventures for the future of finance and commerce. And we do it from, scratch methodically working with very capable awesome founders and do it through these stages of ideation validation creation and growth after which we would spin the ventures off and raise money externally that's the short version of it and yes i grew gray over time as i was doing that um so uh it's you know looking back i probably should have quit mckinsey five years later uh <laughs> you know we always thought that the like where we are, you know, in the ecosystem today would come like five years before, right? We were too optimistic. But again, I think, you know, there are, you know, so um, I don't blame myself too much for that. So Alper, um, Enhanced Ventures, this venture studio, originally a digital holding company that it's been around, you said seven years now. So yeah, we're, we're, we're approaching seven years. Just about you you guys kicked off in 2016. Yes. And when you started, there was nothing similar in the landscape in the UAE or in the region, or what was it 
Had you seen similar models elsewhere? I mean, and you mentioned some of the traditional large corporate behemoths who were doing this, but in the digital or tech world, have you seen similar models you'd Definitely. seen like in the US or elsewhere? Go, I, mean, I like that. I'm I mean, going to make was, this in Dubai. There, I mean, there, there, there was not much here for sure. The rocket mm -hmm. Internet, you know, of course, everybody knew Rocket Internet. Yeah. They're even more famous than, than they are now. Um, and they're a success story, you know, um, uh, they're famous and infamous in some ways, but they're a success mm -hmm. story not, nevertheless. Uh, we knew of Idea Lab, right? Um, uh, and, and, you know, but we didn't know much more. And through this journey, right, it just it was amazing. Like we started saying, oh, like when we, you know, talk to people, they said, oh, you should talk to this company, this studio, or this, you know, holding company in US or in Paris, et cetera. And over time, we realized, okay, we are a studio. Then our Google searches became a bit more refined, right? Mm. And we kept on counting more and more. It was 20, 50, 100. I remember reading this article. There may be 100 studios around the world. And then on a crazy, I think it was like a Saturday, 2 a.m., I said, we should start building a database. Nobody's counting. Let's start counting. And we started counting. And... Um, yeah, and, and as we start counting, uh, the word got out that we're counting and there's a database. And we built a, a, a public version of it, uh, the startupstudiomap.com, right, which is on our website. Um, and, and now everyone that launches a startup studio comes to us and wants them to be listed on the map. And, and we keep on keep, you know, keeping the count. And we're off to 877, right? And... Um, and we were so hungry for knowledge, right? Um, I remember um, we were trying to raise money from, uh, I guess I, yeah, I can say, it. we went to STV to raise money. And uh, my good friend, Walid Al-Balla, um, who was a partner there at the time, he listened very, you know, as he is, you know, with full attention. And he said, I really like this idea. But can you educate me on how this is done in developed ecosystems? I had never heard such a statement from a VC, not here, not anywhere, right? That it's such a humble VC saying to us, can you educate me? So we took it to heart and we doubled down on the research and we wrote this white paper uh, called Innovating Innovation. And it was to impress STV. And at the end, they couldn't invest in us because of, you know, LP agreement reasons, you know, they can't invest in holding companies to essentially end up having two layers of um, uh, management fee, but, uh, but the white paper, we just put it on our website and it caught like wildfire. Now, like people just kept on saying, oh, this is great. Now I know what, I, what we're building. I didn't know we were a studio. And we were just this humble, we had a couple of ventures at the time, you know, this is three, four years ago. Um, and everybody started calling us, and I suddenly found myself in this imposter syndrome. Like, you know, I was just learning. I was a student. I wasn't an expert of the studio model, but people were calling and asking me just because we wrote this white paper, and that put us in touch with, you know, um, GSS and the Global Startup Studio Network, um, which is a Denver-based organization for studios. We flew over to Denver. We had a meeting of minds. I joined their board. And then it, just, uh, it was a flood of information, like meeting so many studios, hundreds of them, right? And our model is 10 times better as a result. Um, our, you know, whether they know it or not, our investors have greatly benefited from um, that you know, ecosystem involvement. And um, here we are today. But no, in the early days, you know, if I knew the model was this complex and was... In, in some ways so difficult, I probably wouldn't have ventured in it, right? So it's, it's good that I didn't know as much and I was this, you know, bright-eyed entrepreneur, younger, um, saying that, yeah, we can build ventures in parallel. If you had to, if you had to describe a venture builder, like a TLDR to someone who knows nothing about it, how would you do that in one or two sentences? I have that um, because this we had to come up with, you know, as part of that Global Star Studio Network, this association of studios of 100, about, about 100 of us, right? We said, what is a studio? And a studio is 
what we call uh, an institutional co-founder mm -hmm. that wears two hats, that invests and builds ventures mm -hmm. using a playbook and a central organization for repeated success, right? And, and venture building. So, um, and it's very different. You know, people already say, say, oh, you're like an accelerator. No, we're not. Or people say, oh, you're like an incubator. No, we're not. Um, we're like a founder, right? It just happens to be that we're whatever, like 55 people, right? But act as one founder coming into this venture. And I just happen to have this technical marketing, et cetera, capability. And all this network of investors, stakeholders, you know, different, you know, banks and insurance companies and utilities, et cetera, that you may want to do, you know, partnerships with. But we act really as a founder. You know, we we end up naming a venture together with a founder. We end up, I may decide on the color of a logo, right? Uh, a VC doesn't do that. An accelerator doesn't do that. An incubator doesn't do that. We we get deep involved in the tech stack and the, those key decisions that may result in speed versus, you know, tech debt, et cetera, right? Um, and we do initial marketing. We'll launch you, you know, day one in multiple countries because we have trade licenses across, you know, the region, et cetera. So that I think is the is the summary. But it's a, the, the shortest two word is an institutional co-founder. That's a studio. Um, yeah, it's a very different breed of venture organization and, and stands across the widest, right? Mm. Uh, an accelerator will accelerate something that actually exists, right? Has revenues to accelerate. An incubator will do just that incubation part. Uh, a growth VC will invest only in series A, B, C, et cetera, right? We come in and from nothing to series A, spend that, you know, widest gap in for the first, you know, depending on where you are, nine to 18 months. No, I think you, I asked for a TLDR of two sentences and you gave me a brilliant one of two words <laughs> institutional co-founder it, it, kind of it, it was two it. pages it, it was two pages first and then yes two, two words as well yes. no it's hard to get down to two words whenever whenever someone can summarize their idea into two words it means they've done a lot of thinking i mean a lot of a lot of work but um i don't want to blow hot air up your uh, whatever so let me get Gaurav into the conversation probe <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it going? Alpro, thanks for joining hey, us. Thanks. Hey, bro. Hey, I'm good. I mean, you know, we've been talking about the origin story, right? Of where you've been and where you've got to now. Um, and I think that's that's super helpful in understanding a, a number of things based on the questions I'm gonna ask you next, which is I think what you've been doing is an evolution to cut your teeth to be able to actually have the credentials to tell people you can do what you can do, right? Um, but I wanna get into a couple of those learning stories because I think it's important for you to share that with people, right? To get that exposure about your background a little bit more. Um, some of the companies you, you, you started and been a strong part of has been Joy, for example, right? J-O-I. I think that's sure. been the cornerstone, sure. right? And then I, if my understanding is correct, you went into, Medicus that went into a different naming or it's, it's still Medicus. And then that was one of the companies that started as part of your venture builder platform, right? Uh, me, me, Medicus is not. Medicus is, you know, Ritesh was, I think the first investor in Medicus, but Medicus has not been through Enhanced. But Joy definitely is the first venture. Um, Medicus is a, a sister venture, I would say, just because, you know, Ritesh is very early involvement, but it wasn't an Enhanced venture. So that was just an investment from the platform. I was, I suppose, some that went through the the platform or the the, the operational Correct. piece, assisting that company Correct. to grow. And then, how many have you got today now? So the the portfolio. Um, so we have you know all eight companies. Um, so we have Joy was the original baby, right? Because um, when we first started, you know, we can maybe also talk about pivots, right? We were very focused and we said, we're going to build vertical marketplaces B2C, right? That's the studio, right? But that's the experience that we had having built what it's now called about in Saudi, having built Mondo, which is another, you know, marketplace, Fursati was a marketplace, et cetera, right? So we built that and a bit, you know, different than our current ventures, Ritesh and I, because we were just raising money and building the first venture along with the studio, we were the founders of Joy as well for the early years, right? Now someone much 
smarter than me, Rami Kahali, this awesome gentleman, you know, runs that as a as the UN partner. Um, and then over time, we we built Clever, which is a cashback app, which is live in UAE, Saudi, and and, and Turkey. Uh, we have um, Lutera, which is a thrive market model from the US, where you can subscribe and get a great discount on organic food. We have um, Right Farm, which you know we built and, and invested in, uh, along with ADQ. Um, it's a B two B fresh produce and food stuff marketplace. We have um, a, a little twist. Um, we have partnered with uh, India's largest crypto exchange, DNS, um, and um, we have a joint venture with them. That's a business that we didn't want to build from scratch because of the complexity of the technology, but not only that, because of both the liquidity issues, right? And, you know, uh, the ability in getting regulatory permission. So we have that joint venture, and um, which is live already in Turkey, um, operating and generating revenues, growing nicely, and should be soon live here in the region as well. Um, there's an outcome coming, which I shouldn't mention here, but there's been some figures coming on that one. And um, then we have uh, Prop AI. Um, Prop AI is our latest venture um, built with you know two amazing founders, uh, Ranim Skaff and Christian Kunz. Um, it's um, it's our most ambitious venture probably to date, and it may be our most ambitious venture ever, right? Um, it's because it's trying to disrupt the largest asset class in the world, residential real estate, right? Um, uh, it was a, a $250 trillion asset class. Um, and we're trying to just use big data, AI, and you know, advanced analytics to help people first better assess what market they should invest in real estate, and then in that market, in what area in that market, and what exact property to invest in that you know in that market. So um, that's the portfolio. There are two things that are in validation stage that I shouldn't name yet because um, uh, they haven't passed valid validation. Uh, again, we're building with amazing founders, um, uh, and that's that's the kind of the, the joy of it, right? Um, yeah, all falls into this future of finance and commerce world. But the kinds of things that we're looking at are, you know, the things that we're interested in are um, this real estate investment and funding of that investment, or you know, that is a very interesting, and you know, there's a lot of friction there in this region. Right, and so area of great interest and a big asset class, right? So things like prop AI, but we're also looking at, you know, for example, I'm interested in like rent to own models, right? And how that can be applied here in the region. We're also interested in like personal or SME lending and trying to figure out ways in which um, we can do this with a banking partner or without a banking partner and with near zero risk, right? There are interesting models that we're looking at there, for example. And uh, we're also looking at, uh, uh, still looking at, of course, you know, nifty, interesting ways of marketplaces and e-commerce. Um, one ideation that we're running right now is around like fashion, sustainable, conscious fashion and um, lifestyle consumerism, right? Uh, we have an amazing founder that we're ideating and validating around that. Um, and then one other area is um, something that we face all the time. Another area that we're ideating around is startup funding. All of our friends are troubled either from the supply or the demand side, right? There's not a single VC that doesn't see that the problem. There's not a single founder that doesn't see that the problem. Surely we can do better, right? Like it should be easier and and the, the less friction than this. So those are the things that we're interested in looking forward. I think on one side you're trying to build a community. On the other side, you're building ventures. On the other side your fundraising as well for your fund, as well as individuals in some certain capacity. So you're doing a number of things simultaneously, I guess that's needed for this ecosystem, because like you said, there's not enough to sort of make that fluidity happen for all these pieces already that exist. So how many people does it take to run so many different uh, initiatives? How big is your team today? So we're 55 people, so it's not a small organization. You can't run a studio. Um, That's a with, lot of you people, know, 55 five people. people. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole tech team sitting in, you know, our tech kitchen in, in Istanbul. And then we have, you know, team members, you know, sitting in our Riyadh office. We have team members in 
we used to have an office in Cairo. We don't have it anymore, but we have a, a sizable team sitting, sitting in Egypt um, and a satellite office in Jeddah and satellite office in Amman as well. We're going to be probably next going to um, Qatar, and um, but doubling down in Saudi for sure. So um, that's the, the beauty and the look, the model is really favorable if you're coming in with, you know, as a brilliant founder and you want to go fast, right? Because all of these resource capabilities are ready-made and you don't have to recruit them, find them, or, you know, judge them, you know, grade them, right? Even when it's like a law firm, like we have a law firm, we've been working with them. You don't have to go search for a new law firm or an accounting firm, you know, in Saudi that understands the cap, et cetera. We've figured all of those things out. So those, that's the good side. The bad side is, yes, you have a payroll, right? And you need to feed that payroll. You need to keep building. And um, and yeah, that, that, so quite a bit of, you know, a studio founder's time goes to fundraising so that your founders don't have to as much, right? Of course they do, but not as much. So looking at what's next for you, how many people do you think reach out to you at the moment today or what kind of people should reach out to you? People are, who are listening or watching this right now might be the right people who want to get in touch with you. What are you looking for and who should contact you? So we, we have, you know, so you ask a question and I should answer in three sentences, but you know, um, <laughs> Look, really, there, 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 there are two key stakeholders, right, for the studio. There's a broader community, but I think the, the rest of the community, we can touch on a bit later, two key stakeholders, right? One is founders, right? Incredible founding talents. Um, we do not believe in the mythology that there are superheroes out there, right? That's more venture capital, that they think that you have to have a Superman to go build you a unicorn, do things don't, that don't exist. Um, we believe that, you know, we need to find, you know, um, Tony Starks of the world, world, right? And build Iron Man, build the exoskeleton. Still, he's exceptionally brilliant, very capable person, right? Um, but that first stakeholder class is the you know, amazing founders. And now it's a real test to weed out real founders from what I call entrepreneur tourists. Because um, you know the one thing that a studio does is the studio comes in and says, "Hey, I have all the capability and I have money. Let's let's build something." Everybody that you know dreams about you know um, becoming an entrepreneur but doesn't understand how difficult it is knocks on your door, right? And um, it is difficult to weed out you know who are the true passionate people who or you know uh, have the with the risk appetite, etc. Right, but those people that really mean business, they're willing to throw in the, you know, towel in their corporate job or have been, you know, founders in the past and didn't succeed for X, Y, Z reason, or have been in the forefront of like building successful ventures, but not as founders, they can reach out to us, right? And we have a form, you know, they can go to our website. There is what we call the entrepreneur and business program. They can apply there and, and you know, we'll come back to them, you know, within days, right? The other, you know, stakeholders, of course, investors, right? Investors in our studio, investors in our, you know, studio fund, the $30 million fund that we're raising, and investors into our portfolio companies, right? They are dear to us. I love my VC friends, you know, VC friends and, you know, studio friends, uh, you know, track talk and like have this good banter. But in reality, all we're trying to do is build more quality deal flow for them to come and invest, you know, in Series A, right? And without them, I, I don't have the funds to, you know, take something to IPO, right? So there is no um, ecosystem without them. Uh, so that's the other stakeholder that, you know, we want, you know, investors to better understand what we do and why we do what we do. And what are the nuances to it? Because there are also, as we made the studio model more popular globally and here, there's also a lot of, you know, pseudo studios that, popped up or people who shouldn't be building studios end up building studios. You know, if you're 30 years old and you never built something before, you can write code, you probably shouldn't start a studio yet. Right? Because you know the product, digital product is only a part of what we do. Right? You should be an established founder that can now you know support founders in in parallel. 
those are the two that I would say. There's the whole community play, you know, and other stakeholders, obviously, but those are the two that we hope reaches out to us and wants to know more about what we do. I'm a big believer in experienced operators assisting companies get to different stages of maturity, you know, prior to exit, right? There's fundamental growth, there's fundamental profitability, and then there's fundamental sustainability of business growth and profitability before you can truly exit and have a stable exit. Uh, generically, it seems to be the thesis, which I would believe is how you build the exits for this space. But uh, operators' involvement is, is a contested argument, I guess, between studios and VCs, where VCs operate with capital and perhaps network, but studios would, would get more involved. I remember reading a TechCrunch article saying, operators should stay away from working in, in startup communities because VCs have got this and they should step away. So it's interesting to see how that conversation's evolving. But that brings me to my next question, which is either which way in your visibility, being somebody that's worked in the VC space effectively, doing an operator-led model for studio venture uh, initiatives to create companies, where are the exits you think going to happen? Do you think the build basis for exits in this region are growth-led companies or has everything changed given the recent spectrum to profit-based initiatives? So the reason I'm asking that is, do you think the operator-led model is going to help companies achieve profitability to growth for exit or that doesn't matter anymore and the VCs will also sort of continue to see exits based on growth-led models? Because I'm not seeing so many exits. Think, I'm seeing M&A happen in this region, but I'm not seeing so many exits. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting for someone so, that's sitting on both sides of the conversation to give some insight to that. So I think um, I'm hoping, you know, we go back to somewhat of a, you know, a norm that we're used to in the coming quarters and years. But in the short term, yes, um, I think our involvement in our ventures, even ones that have spun off from the studio, um, have led to better unit economics and uh, either profitability or you know an approach to profitability. I think that everybody you know in this current reality you know has to acknowledge and should be working towards. Right now, that doesn't mean that those businesses end up being what we call lifestyle businesses and will have small exits. We're hoping that either the you know economics continue to improve so much so that they are able to mostly self fuel you know growth or we get back to a, a, a norm that wasn't the crazy free money of two years ago, but not today's no money either, where you know venture capital is able to fuel that growth to lead to an exit. Our reality about you know where those exits are in this geography is not different than any other venture organization or our venture capital friends, you know, because. Joy today, having spun off and being a Series B company, you know, like yes, I sit on the board, and you know, I talk to Rami as much as he wants to talk to me, but he runs the business and it's venture funded, right? We have multiple venture capital funds in there, and they're incentivized just like me to keep the business growing and you know, reaching twenty exits current, you know, um, numbers and 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 having an exit. The exits probably will be when they come. You know, I think there's going to be a mix. Um, I think uh, the mix that we've seen, right? I think there's going to be premium type exits where, you know, um, American, European, Asian, you know, uh, larger players will kind of acquire us here, right? And and there will be trade sales to large retail conglomerates, especially for the kinds of some of the businesses that we've built, right? Joy is quite attractive to a large retail conglomerate, right? So as it keeps on scaling, I think that can be a play. Or we're going to see with increased pressure from, you know, and, and push from these local governments and their local public markets, uh, more IPOs, regional IPOs happening, like such as what Shahas has done, right, in Saudi. And um, so we can see, you know, our ventures, you know, growing to such a stage where they can have IPOs regionally, if not, let's say, London. Um, but it's the same challenge that you know we're facing with everybody else. Um, but one has to believe 
that with the fundamentals of the economies in which we operate, those exits have to be there. We cannot keep delivering this amount of value, millions of gifts delivered, right? Or selling, you know, hundreds of houses a month, hopefully with prop AI in the near future. And that doesn't, you know, move the needle and somebody doesn't know it. So um, I think, again, I, it, hopefully, hopefully in five years, I don't look back and say, oh, you know, <laughs> it's good. it took five years to get there. But, you know, I, I think there's enough dry powder uh, that money, the, the dry powder has to be spent. I think in Q4, Q1, we'll start seeing, you know, some more movement in venture capital. That's how I see it. Maybe that's me, the optimist. Um, and and we, we seem to have the strong macroeconomic fundamentals in this region, being GCP, where we will fare better than our, you know, average brothers and sisters out there in the rest of the world, just because of the of the economies here. I think there's a lot of maturity that needs to happen to this market that will also enable exits to happen more frequently. I think you're still at the early stages for it to happen. I think it will happen at some point. I agree with you that perhaps it'll happen over a, over a, a, a longer ext extended period of time that most people are comfortable with to wait for those exits. But um, having said that, you know, as, as everyone who does know me knows I've got enough skin in the game to know you know, I, I'm very heavily invested in all these ecosystems in the startup world, generally speaking. But when I look at this region in particular, having exited a business here, I can't help but keep going back to a fundamental where my personal belief is, I still think investors have uh, the wrong fundamental expectation on returns in this ecosystem. I think returning exits from businesses in five to seven years is too soon. I think it's seven to 12 years, depending on certain businesses and sectors. And I don't think investors have that fundamental. I don't think that's being communicated. I don't think they have the patience for that. I think it's going to have, you know, a restructuring of the ecosystem to some extent. I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe it's already happening uh, at this point in time. But what's your take on that, especially given you touched on something very significant uh, which is a huge element of this, not just from the investor side, but from entrepreneur tourism, right? Having the stamina to do this is something that's really fundamental. I mean, we know we talk about people and we talk about talent and we talk about people who have experience, uh, but humans are humans, man. I mean, when you look at it, right, you really have yeah. to have the stamina to be able to deal with blow after blow everything else or you know, ups and downs of global economy, not just, you know, and th it takes a real mindset of somebody to say, I'll forego salary for a bit, you know, or, uh, you know, I'll be able to rally around my troops day after day and build company morale, not, not just because you're some whiz kid or some expert in AI, who gives a damn, right? Because it's, it's again, I'm talking about this human element. From your perspective, do you think I'm wrong? Or do you think this, this five to seven no. year complete you know, no, but five, five, broken, do you think it's look, going to be the same seven to 12 years before we start seeing money returns in this ecosystem? Because I, 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 I think, I, I think it's absolutely eight to 12 years. You know, um, I think five to seven is a dream and all the stars have to line up and I think you have to get lucky. Right. I think right. that is the case in Silicon, that, that's the case in Silicon Valley. Right. And unfortunately, you end up getting this. I don't even yeah, have to compare like, us to Silicon Valley. Like, we're, we're our own valley. We should just talk about what's happening. Absolutely. That's even the case in Silicon Valley, right? So like, you know, here where there's still such amazing scarcity of capital, people think that there's a lot of capital here. There's not, right? You know, Saudi broke a billion dollars last year. And that is what? $30 per capita, right? Israel is $1,000 per capita, right? VC investment, right? You know, you you look at US, US is like, I don't know, um, 400 or something like that. So like, you know, we have, we have all these issues still in the ecosystem for sure. Like, you know, be it from government support and how long does it take for me to launch one company here and launch the same company in Saudi and in Egypt, et cetera. How long does that take? How many rounds does that take? You know, we, I just talked about funding, which is the second parameter. Then there's still some culture. Why don't we have, you know, so many locals in you know, founder roles, right? Because failure is not as much an option, you know, as it is for me, or, you know, if you're Emirati, 
right? These are, that's an issue. Access to talent, right? Why do every startup, you know, have their tech kitchen elsewhere, right? It's a problem because it's too expensive for me to have my 20 people tech team here, right? And access to markets. Why do I have to deal with all these different currencies and borders and different customs and regulations? So the issues are there. Thus, it is very difficult to be a founder, right? You're actually touching back, going around and touching our whole thesis. And the exits will not come in five years. No way. No way, right? They'll come in 10 if you're good, right? And in the in the in that process, you end up having this army of incredible, courageous people at some point or another depressed, right? Demoralized, showing a bright face and smiling, right? Gora, you, you're part of this ecosystem, right? If you really take a true toll of your close friends in the founder, you know, class, right? Probably half are at least down, if not depressed, right? And thus, thus the studio model, right? This is the thesis, because it is too lonely to try to do this by yourself, because you cannot talk about it to your spouse. You definitely cannot talk about it to your VC investor, right? They think they hear it first. They don't hear it first, right? You can't talk about it to your team because they're going to quit and leave, right? Here comes this, you know, this guy that is willing to grade further for you, right? And provide therapy, receive therapy himself because he has his own startup challenges, right? And, you know, like supplement you when you're down, right? Okay, you don't know. We thought you knew product. Okay, you don't know product as well. Okay, we have people right or marketing or hey you know what you just broke up with your girlfriend or boyfriend whatever it is right and you're just not 100 for the next month we'll, we'll we'll come in and support you so the, the dream is like you know yes i hope that we can compress that 10 to 12 year period with a studio and do time travel into seven or eight i hope so right the jury is out. We haven't exited yet. We're at seven years in operation, but our vintage is still early, right? Most of our vintage is just a few years old, right? But even if I don't do that, I hope the journey is better with us than if you were in the wild, right? Let's talk about, uh, I mean, mental health is a completely separate topic altogether. I mean, there's a brilliant founder, you know, uh, Abrar from uh, My Hakini that's launched a service that's digital therapy and online for, for people that would like to have access to someone to just talk to from a neutral position. It's not a medical uh, you know, facility of any such or any, any requirement. It's just therapy, which is great. So mental health, it seems like is a big aspect of what you are looking at in terms of ensuring the quality of your, your founders or operators have access to within that, that template of the venture studio model, which is great to hear. I'm, I'm very happy to, to hear that. Let's zoom out into the future a little bit, right? You've just started the journey. I mean, you've also been part of, a, a, my understanding, an initiative to help with the ecosystem here and bringing other venture studios here and having conversations and doing it. So you're not, you're not sure. looking to sort of hog the space for yourself. You're trying to educate people a bit more. You're trying to invite more challengers, competitors, sort of till, you know, till the soil a little bit more, you know, just to get things going and, and get the movement started. Where do you think, the biggest venture studio space is going to be from a perspective of talent and exits. Do you think it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a hub, but it's going to be spread across the region. So it's typical, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, just because of sheer size and population and spread and reach. And then to other ecosystems around like Qatar, Bahrain, uh, you know, Lebanon, etc. Or do you think it's, it's going to be clear winners coming out of certain ecosystems which are more conducive from a cost perspective, uh, you know, where people can set up at cost better in, 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 in Turkey or in Egypt uh, for unit economics to then just set up a representative office in these more uh, higher, you know, growth hubs such as KSA and UAE. Where do you think the next five years or the next beacons are gonna be of this development? Where do you think your big office is I gonna just... go? So I think just like for every scale up in this region, um, our future, as I look, you know, 
we're already in nine countries across the region, right? Oh, wow. um, our ventures are operating and gen generating revenues in nine countries. And um, we have offices in, in five. Um, as, I, as I fast forward, I think that's just going to be the, you know, even more the reality. I think, you know, we're going to be seen as a, a Saudi slash UAE studio, right? And, um, and I think that's just, you know, what the market demands. That's where the customers are, right? And that's where, you know, there's a balance, you know, um, between what's offered here and what's offered there. And it just makes sense to kind of combine this region into, into one from these, you know, couple offices. Maybe you can add Cairo to it. We added, you know, Turkey to it for technical talent, right? But I think, you know, was Karim a UAE startup? I think when it was sold, probably had bigger revenues in Saudi, right? So uh, I think that's going to be our reality. We're going to be much heavier in Saudi, not in five years, next year, right? We built Saudi first businesses. We have to, that's where the customers are. It's a G20 market and um, we want, Two, you know, two founders to every venture, and we want one of them to be Saudi going forward, at least one, if not two. So, and I think that's kind of matches every scale up, you know, and if I see our studio as a, you know, scale up, that's going to be our reality as well. And about, you mentioned, I think what we did with the IFC and it's public information, you know, we, we helped, you know, the IFC launch the, the launch pad, which, you know, uh, has attracted many studios to come and set up shop here, right? And there, uh, we did it for two reasons. One is, you know, yes, you know, it's giving back to the community and it's also business, you know, we did this as a business. But, you know, more importantly for longer term success of Enhance, it puts the studio model on the map. The IFC is an amazing global business destination. And for them to come and say, one of our main pillars of our strategy is to be, you know, a global hub for studios that builds so much credibility to what we do day to day, right? And competition, I guess. You know, I hope there are 50 studios operating here in Saudi. Like there's infinite number of things to build, right? It's not like, like if you're a VC, you may have limited number of good deals a year and you're competing against your fellow VC who's also a friend, you know, once in a while you share deals. In my, there's infinite number of things to build and infinite number of talents. You know, if there's 50 studios here, each building five things, four things a year in average, like 200 ventures and each had you know, one and a half, you know, founders each, that's 300 founders. I can find the 300 first, right? It's not competition. It's just would, you know, add so much more credibility to what we do. We would get even more of those two stakeholders, the founders and the, the funding. That's why we did that. And, and really kudos to DIFC for taking a, what was a casual conversation I was suggesting saying, hey, you know what? This sounds very interesting. Why don't we be a global first and, you know, as an organization like us, and and house these studios because there is no other venue for them. And but we have a heat map as the nerd that I am. We we plotted all the 877 studios on a on a map, right? As a heat map, there are eight hotspots, right? Um, that is the you know Silicon Valley, LA, New York, London, Paris, uh, Amsterdam, Berlin, and Singapore, right? The ninth hotspot should be here, here somewhere, not here in Dubai, here, you know, somewhere in the Middle East. Unfortunately, we're going to probably distribute, you know, the HQs of the studios that are setting up shop here to uh, Dubai and Riyadh, maybe some in Abu Dhabi as well, right? The Cairo, because of the, the massive, you know, for certain models and certain studio types, it may be interesting for the 100 million population, um, but, when you look at that map, you're probably not, not going to see, we may have 50 studios in the next couple of years here, but it's not going to be the amazing hotspot of 50 studios in just Paris, right? So is that a downfall for the region or is that a strength? I think the jury is out. Um, it'd be nice if we had one currency, right? Across GCC, it'd be nice if we didn't, if we could you know, travel freely like EU, etc. Uh, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. You're preaching to the choir. 
I think there's uh, there's 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 a problem that's happening. I think people are talking, conversations are happening, but time time is uh, something we'll have to wait with and, and until they get that eventuality. I, I, I'm definitely my, my business plan doesn't have that right. If it happens, <laughs> amazing bonus. And 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 the other thing is, like we actually don't mind friction somewhat, because like studios do better in tougher environments because I have a. I end up having a more secret weapons or like a secret sauce, right? An unfair advantage. If I'm in these nine countries and I take you to those nine countries faster than you would otherwise go by yourself, it becomes a reason to prefer me as a studio. So I don't mind it so much. It, it would definitely expedite, you know, our ventures, you know, and, and um, we would find other secret sauces or secret weapons. But um, emerging markets actually do have a you know, compared to higher advantage than, let's say, you know, more advanced markets. I know, I know I'm a cynic, but I like to look at things from a positive view once in a while. And, you know, having said that, I believe that the fragmentation of the ecosystem is actually a natural moat to allow our startup ecosystem to evolve and actually get acquired by foreign corporate entities, as opposed to foreign corporate entities coming up here and destroying startups. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hey. The way I actually look at it is, is I wonder how many startups of this ecosystem would actually exist, if at all, if we didn't have this natural fragmentation mode, which encourages people not to invest the time to do it, because sure enough, some of these monsters have God knows how much money. They just don't have the time. Hey. So for them, I think it's a natural mode, actually. So it could be a very double-edged sword that when you have a unified currency, I don't think we'd be able to start ideas as quickly as people be able to come and monopolize the hell out of certain aspects of our ecosystem. So uh, that's, yeah, double-edged sword. I, 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 I think there's absolute truth to what you're saying. If you think of like, our, <laughs> let's take the three big exits, right? Like Souk exit was definitely a case like that. You know, Kareem exit was definitely a case like that. Uh, food on click, Yemeksepeti, Talabat exit to delivery hero. And don't forget, you know, don't forget case of the how many people, uh, how many big, major, big name startups have come here and left? No, yeah. We know those. There are some extremely big startups that have come here, made noise, arrived, and quietly left. Very quietly left. Yes. But yes. on that note, I'm going to hand back to, to Ronit because we're, we're running out of time. We could be here all day talking. So, Thanks again, Alper, for your time. And with that, Ronit, back to you. Hey. Um, pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, Alper. I think there's nothing more to say than let's uh, let's keep the conversation going and look forward to seeing all these great businesses you guys are building. Hey, look forward to it and I look forward to your support as well. What you're doing is amazing. Really appreciate you both, you know, building, helping build this community to what it is you know, today. And I'm sure it's going to be even amazing with your support in the coming days. And if we ever need an institutional co-founder, we know where to go. <laughs> yes, please. Bring, give, give us ideas, give us people, give us money. Right? The rest is ours. All the Excellent. best. Thank you very okay. much. Thank you so pleasure. much. Bye -bye. Thank you.